Hello, Petey. Can you hear me? If you can't, you're in trouble. My culture is based on freedom and self-determination. Freedom is irrelevant. Self-determination is irrelevant. You must comply. That's right, boys. Mondo cool. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. My plans have followed a path unpredicted by the union of NAR and GDI. I want the people of America to be able to work less for the government and more for themselves. Historical Diversions History Over Drinks In the previous episodes with Chris John, we discussed his military experiences. In this episode, we shift into political territory. Without giving too much away, I'm not a fan of most politicians, and my philosophy on government is less is best. Nobody I voted for has ever held office, and the only policy I voted for that passed increased my property taxes. And that's not happening again. But there is a hole in my ideology that one could drive a semi-truck through. While I'm keenly aware of national issues, state and local issues I am far less familiar with. I had to look up who are supposed to represent me in the prep for this podcast. Do you know who the sheriff, judges, or prosecutors are in your area? How about school board members? Do you know who your city council members are and what they believe? When I found out that Chris John was planning on running for Burnsville City Council in 2022, I didn't know what to think. I wanted to think positively, as he's a very competent and very good person. He would be an asset to Burnsville. But I don't like politicians, and I believe that even the best candidates can be corrupted by our current political system. I don't participate at the local level. He has. So I wanted to talk with him about his experiences and what he believes about the role of government. Without further ado, here's our final episode with Chris John. So Chris, in the previous episode, we focused on your military service uh, pretty pretty extensively. Mm-hmm. Did your interest in politics have anything to do with like your military experience or civic duty or anything like that? Or is that are those totally separate worlds for you? It's interesting when you talk about uh, civic duty. Uh, I think of it more like in the military, right? You have all these people, you have 5,000 people as we talked about. Many of them are not much older than 19, 20 years old. And they're moving this ship and they're taking it to the next destination and they're flying off of it and they're, you know, doing these complex mechanisms, checking the weather, doing all this stuff, all of it for the one mission. Everybody is getting together to make that one thing happen, that the ship moves to one place to the other. It's amazing if you think about it. You know, these we're a bunch of kids, really, mm-hmm. and we're able to move an aircraft carrier. We're, we're, we're doing maneuvers with other ships. Um, we're launching and catching planes. We're um, you know, looking at so the uh, radar, we're doing all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and it takes community basically to do that, right? Everybody has a job, everybody has a position, everybody you see in the hallways is a part of this mission, whether you know you're actually steering the ship or you're you're um, a part of the propulsion system or even you know, uh, making the food for the people that do that, right? They're, they're, everybody has a job, everybody has a role. In making this happen, it, it it it's an interesting dynamic. So when you look at a city, and if you think about like your city here, Wyoming, right? We we're a bunch of people basically living in close proximity to each other. You know, your neighbor is right next door. I mean, there's no there's no difference between your yard and their yard more than a property line. You got to figure what that is. And someone in that city has to step up and say, okay. We, we have to run this thing somehow, right? The, the streets need to be cleared for, you know, if it snows or, you know, these streets have to be repaired or we need lights or, you know, these types of things. So it, it, it's kind of the same mindset, the same idea that uh, the people that 
live in the city can help build that city and, and make it make it move, if you will, for lack of a better term. And that's where that's where I, I get a little bit of a drive there, right? You think back to um, Little House on the Prairie or something along those lines when cities were first being developed out west. People come in, they all get to the town hall and they talk over, you know, what they're going to do as far as roads or where downtown's going to be and those types of things. How cool is that, really? You establish these things, you establish the buildings downtown, and they still exist today from some decision you made 100, 150 years ago, right? And so to have that kind of a legacy, to be able to do, do your part in the history of a city, that's what moves me you know, in local politics. I think that is so cool. Now, we've talked off air um, about how you and I kind of look at things from a very different lens. Mm -hmm. Where did your interest in government and politics, where did that really come from? And how has that really shaped your worldview and how you're looking at things? Uh, again, everything kind of revolves around me and Craig. <laughs> you know, we were uh, eighth grade or eighth grade, eight years old. Um, we, I think dad knew a few of the different presidents. He named them off and then. Uh, we had a set of encyclopedias downstairs, and Craig and I studied them. And to this day, you name a number between 1 and 45, I can tell you who the president was, what years they served, what party they belonged to, and a little bit about their history. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that it, it, it just was something I studied and I really got into. Um, and I can definitely remember elections dating back to Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan um, in you know, the buildup. And I started to get a political identity at that young age, and I, I think it, it's really a cool thing if you think about politics in the United States sort of a view. Um, you know, there, there are governments, uh, if you look, study European history or something along those lines, those governments are changing all the time. Borders are changing all the time. It, it, it's different. We're, we've been very static for over 200 years, which is very impressive. Very impressive. And we're all built on a constitution that was set up to govern ourselves, going back to that local government thing, even more than just, you know, our little community, this little city here, even more than our state, we're talking a whole nation that is ran by the same people that own it or that live there, right? That That is the mindset behind it, whether or not that actually happens in practice. Most, for the most part, it is. And, and there's some people that, you know, they're, they're just a farmer or, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you look at like Harry Truman, somebody like that, you know, he was running a drugstore at one point. And all of a sudden, you're president of the United States. So it can happen. Uh, sometimes they're they're more the rich people. They have the time. They have the money. They have the energy to be able to do something like that in the connections. But um, you know, the mindset was that we govern ourselves. We don't have some kind of king or queen over it. So that's always been a great motivation for me, uh, thinking that you know everybody has a chance to do this. And, you know, reality is that probably not going to happen for me. But, you know, it, it was it was always something in my mind that, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to try at some point, see, see what um, I can do as far as government's concerned. And I've, I've always been attracted to it because it it is that third third element, in, you know, between businesses, you know, residents. And then there's always that government edge. So. Now, we'll get into some of the details later because, as we all know, the devil's in the details. But if you were to sum it up, what, if one can answer a question in this way, what do you think the role of government should be? The best way to put it, I think, is it, if you think about going back to my whole um, speech about us living in a community, you got to think of the areas that are not owned, they're owned publicly. We all own, you know, the streets. We own the parks. We own the uh, the water towers and the water filtration systems and in all these things, uh, public safety, the, you know, security of the residents and those types of things all have to be community-based some way or somehow. It couldn't just be done by one person or by yourself. And the role of government is to cover those areas, not 
sort of like an association of a of a townhome com- complex where you know somebody somebody's got to have to do the the work so that everybody can have you know the long cr- uh, cut or you know the snow plowed or you know the things fixed the new roofs put on whatever it takes it it has to cover those areas so that's the main role of government is to ensure that the commons that's what they put it back in the in the 1700s it's called the commons it's those areas that are publicly owned um, that has to be administered it has to be worked on so you need a government to do that or the monetary system uh, security on a local level with the police force or on a national level with the military those things you know somebody's gonna have to be paid people have to work through it so you, you need a group of people to be able to do something like that and that's that's the role um, something sometimes I agree that uh, sometimes it goes a little bit too far <laughs> into into the depths of lives I you know I work with a woman she's from uh, France and she was telling me that um, when she was born they had to register her name and they told her whether or not they get to she can have that name that's government overreach to a far extreme wow i didn't know that was a thing i didn't know that either (laughs) that really that really took me back a little bit that that's something that they would do uh that's that's too much that's where you're, you're digging a little bit but in reality our our point of view should be that we're free up until we start restricting the other people's freedoms and probably the most important part of the Constitution as it was written is really a really very good document written I mean talk about impressive it was it was well written especially if you look at the Bill of Rights if you think about that if you read through those Bill of Rights the one thing you'll notice that the in each one of those things except for one or two and I'll get to that is it doesn't talk about how people would be restricted by the government Every single one of those Bill of Rights talks about how the government is restricted from being too overbearing on the people, each one of them. And I think that is probably the most important thing in our Bill of Rights. Now, we did have the 18th Amendment, which was called Prohibition, and we tried that, and thank goodness we thought, you know what, we better keep that 21 and 18 in there. 21 saying, we tried 18, that was not a good idea. We shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever do that again, sort of a thing. So I'm glad those are both still in there. And it, it was the only time that the Constitution actually restricted people from doing something that should be free. So now you take that into some of these political questions, these burning political questions that are out there. Does a woman have a right to an abortion? And if so, if we say no, are we restricting her right to not have to have a baby from somebody that, you know, she's been raped, you know, or um, do we restrict people from burning flags? Is that is that something we should be doing? Mm-hmm. Do we take away guns from people? Or is that something we should be doing? These are, these are, again, going back to the restricting. This is on a national level, which is way, way too high. You know, um, there, are, there are great arguments where it comes to safety. You know, at what point is, is murder murder? What point is, you know, these guns don't really need to be out on the streets. They're wars a weapon. What point? So those are, those are the good arguments to have, just as long as we're careful not to go too deep into reaching other people's lives or going too deep into people's lives. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, and it's especially, especially because we're going to be going more, uh, especially with your experiences far more on the local level. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's actually something that for me is one of my biases that in the intro that I'm sure I recorded, uh, before (laughs) this podcast was due, uh, that people like me who are aware of things at the national level, I'll say for me, I have a blind spot, not necessarily just for the state, although for my particular state, I do have a bit of a blind spot, but especially on the local level, if you were to ask me particular policy positions on any of our city council members, I couldn't even pick them out of a lineup. Mm. That's something that even for me, it's like, okay, so I'm aware that 
you know, that Nancy Pelosi comes out of California and is making decisions, you know, at the national level. And then it's like, okay, well, why do I know who she is versus someone who is actually potentially affecting change, you know, right in my backyard? Um, you've been a Burnsville resident since 2004. Mm -hmm. You own a home there. You raise your family there. Uh, what motivated you to become active in local government in the first place? Local government is really where a lot of the day-to-day -day things that affect your lives actually occurs. I mean, people throw around the word government all the time. They say, well, government does this, so the government's trying to do that. Well, there's a couple of things that I think we should all um, kind of wrap our heads around. One, we are the government. You know, if, if, we're the, if it's for the people, all the people, the government is you. It's not they. It's we. That's I, I try to use the word we when we talked about uh, things that we're doing on from through the government because it is we. We control it. We are the ones with the power to fire and hire um, through our vote. I mean, we don't have a huge uh, a huge piece of the of the government or ownership of it, but we do have that say, and so. When we, we talk about federal government, that has always been the most um, argued piece, but that's also the one that's pushed by the media. That's the one that you're going to see a lot more information on, you know, big names out there. You know, these senators, like you said, uh, um, Representative uh, Pelosi, she, she's, you know, she's no longer Speaker of the House. She's just a representative out of California now, and she's going to retire this year. But, you know, or... Um, you talk about the president or whatever and what control they have. Well, they really don't have as much control as you go down the level. Not that you need to be in control, but uh, have have policies that affect you on a daily day-to-day -day basis, I should say. Um, then you have the state government, and, and those are even a little bit more closer than the federal government or the most hidden secret government is really the county government that nobody really knows where who they are, um, but they're out there and they're actually uh, they're actually full time employees as as you know with the state not so much, state are part time employees they they have another job they don't make a lot of money, um, state legislature state senator I mean, and you can go down to the city level where you know you have the state council, and then you also have the school boards that's another form of government that kind of overlap with the city and municipal ones. So we have all these different levels of government, so we should be really more specific when we talk about, well, this, you know, government, government this, government that. And it's a lot of different people. I mean, you think about the, the amount of people at each level that kind of branch, branch down. Uh, city government, we take care of things such as the city parks. Burnsville has 76 city parks. I mean, that's a lot of ground to cover, a lot of lawns to mow, a lot of um, baseball diamonds to rake and leaves to pick up and garbage to take out and things like that it's got to be run by somebody somebody has to do it and believe me if it doesn't get done somebody's going to make you know going to say something about it uh you have the streets you have to make sure that they get resurfaced every so often because you know in minnesota the streets crack and they break and every 40 years we have to redo the whole system where we're digging out the sewer systems and things of that nature and you know a lot of the neighborhoods are hitting that point now, especially in Burnsville, and you can see a lot of the streets going through the whole resurfacing thing. Um, you have a whole intricate <laughs> uh, uh, sewer system, uh, stormwater st sewer system, which is very impressive if you think about it, it's all underground sort of a thing. You have um, water cleaning facilities. Uh, you have street lights, uh, traffic lights, street lights. You have all these things that you know affect your everyday life that you see, you will notice right away if it's not done, not taken care of. And you know, that, that really is, um, it's overlooked. And like you said, you don't have no idea who's on your city council. Most people don't. When I go out door knocking, most people have no clue, no idea. And I wish people would have more knowledge and more understanding because it is, it is a bigger part of your everyday life. Well, and especially, I, I, look, I look at it for me that it's like it's very much a blind spot. It isn't that it isn't necessarily that. And I think it's also a, a very big 
negativity bias that it's like if somebody does something good then chances are it's like oh either either you acknowledge that it's like oh it's good and then you don't think about it again or you just assume that's how it's supposed to be but like you said if someone doesn't rake up if, if someone doesn't maintain something then it's like well now it looks like garbage mm-hmm. uh and then it's like then you get the angry email because nobody gets an email being like, Hey, everything looks great. Good job. Like that's not exactly, that's not, that's not the world we live in. No. As someone who is pretty involved at the local level and we'll get into like the, your specific experience, what is probably some of the biggest misconceptions you have either experienced or uh, think people have about local political office? Uh, The taxes is always a fun one when you talk about, uh, the percentages and, and what taxes are really being taken from them. Um, so the city runs on property taxes, but property taxes are assessed at the county level, meaning the counties assess the property taxes. They're the ones that actually send out the cha- uh, the uh, bill. We pay the county. And then there's what's called levies that the city or the municipality, if you will, and the school board can take from those that larger sum. And so the percentage that the city takes is a percentage of a percentage when you look at the actual percent, uh, the actual property taxes and how much that has to be stretched to cover all the things that need to be done. Nobody wants to raise taxes because nobody makes commission when you raise taxes. There's nobody uh, out there you know, getting extra money because I raised the taxes today, no. It's to cover the, the bills that we have to pay. It, it goes back to the question, where does, where does government start and end? But on the local level, on the very local level, I think we all can agree what, what government does need to cover, A, it needs to cover. You know, if it snows outside, I, I need those streets plowed, right? So we have to pay for that. Or uh, water, you know, if, if we want clean water, we have to pay for that. You know, those types of things. and. That's where the, there isn't a whole lot of um, people are getting extra money out of that. There's no backroom deals with companies or anything along those lines. It's straight, you know, we have, we have to pay this amount, and so we have to split it up somehow, and it comes out of the local taxes. So there are people that will look at it and say, well, I'm never going to raise taxes at all. And the problem with that is, is, you're not being a good steward of money if you do that. It's just as dangerous to just freely spend money as it is not to spend enough money to take care of the things you need. And what happens is, is if you stop paying tax or stop, you know, raising taxes when you need to, or you stop, you don't lower taxes when you need to, the city starts to fall apart and and things aren't being done correctly. You you short pay, uh, you, you lose people through attrition. You people you know, leave and they can't refill the role because we just don't have the money anymore. You know, salaries go up every year and um, we, we just can't afford to do it anymore. Or, you know, we're not cutting the grass as much because we can't hire the people to do it. Those types of things. And so when when the city has to balance the budget and they have to figure out how much money they need available, they need to be able to raise taxes as much as they would love to lower them. The city council pays the same amount of taxes as everybody else. There's no, there's no benefit there. None at all. So you've had, you've had a decent amount of experience, uh, working on, uh, local commissions and boards. Um, what, what particular positions do you think uh, have served you particularly well? Because it hasn't just been one role. It's been multiple roles over your time uh, in Burnsville. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, what your experiences have been and how those experiences would translate in terms of a role in city council. Got to. Thank you. Uh, there's a advisory board. I started doing advisory boards um, about 20 20- 2012, uh, my my brother Craig started doing one up in uh, White Bear Lake. He was on the variance board, and he said, "You know, this is this is really cool. You uh, you meet with the people, you find out, you know, what what they need, and somebody needs to go in and do all the research behind it." And so I looked it up, uh, and then 
make a decision on which way to go. And it's, it's sort of like a pseudo pseudo government roles. It's just kind of get your feet wet, see if, see if you like it. And so I, I looked at Burnsville and they have uh, three basically advisory boards there. You have the um, Planning Commission, Economic Development Commission, they have the uh, Parks and Natural Resources. And I thought, well, you know what, I'm gonna give it a shot. It's just, you know, you just kind of apply and then you go meet with the city council and, and you find out if you, if you get on the board. So I, I applied for the Parks and Natural Resources just thinking, you know, I don't have any experience in any of these. And I think you gotta kind of start with what you know and um, I met with city council. Uh, it was probably one of the first times I really got to got to know some of those people, and some of them are still on the city council now. Um, and they said, you know what? I, I with your background, with your accounting background, et cetera, I think the economic development commission is a better bet for you. And so they put me on the EDC, and I, I was served as an alternate for the first year. And the interesting in Burnsville, all their meetings are televised. So it is a little bit nerve-wracking to know it's going to be on tape and mm -hmm. it's going to be played for, for future reference. <laughs> <laughs> always there, always out there on the internet. And so it was, you know, it, it took a while to really get, get into the swing of things. But as I did, I started to understand what we can, um, what I can do or what questions to ask you know, to, to make things well, the, the role of the Economic Development Commission is uh, when businesses come in to ensure that, you know, we make the best decisions to bring business in. So how can we recruit and bring businesses in and what tools can we use to, to bring them in? And uh, if, if they need help with um, certain aspects of the city is to make sure that, you know, you kind of become the, the go-to for, for businesses. That's the whole rationale and they met once every two months um, you get a whole background behind there you read up on all the things that were coming up and then you know, basically discuss it the business comes in you have discussions with the business and then um, you make a decision whether or not you think that city council should do it you make recommendations to the city council that was really good in, in really getting my feet wet in the whole process and learning about um, what cities do to recruit businesses into the city obviously that's a that's a strong help uh, to the residents to offset some of the tax um, um, money that they have to you know pay out um, it gives a little bit more relief and then I did that I did two terms of that which was I thought was awesome and then you know I spent a, a term as the chair and it was it was really a lot of fun to be able to um, be a part of that whole process. Uh, the city council has to go through, so we make recommendations. It goes to city council. City council either debates it or they just pass it, you know, based on a recommendation. So it, it was like the foreground of the city council. Um, I got to do while I was in that role. We we went on. Uh, we went through different studies, like they talked about the whole um, city the. Center Village Vision, which is everything to do with the mall and how to prop that up. What what does the future look like in that area, and what should we we should aim towards as as malls start to die out? And this was probably about 2018. This is before COVID and everything, so the mall was still really thriving at that point. And we were trying to come up with plans to you know make it make it better and revitalize it as other malls have done in the area. And then we also did a. Uh, a study or every 30 years the city has to give their future plan on you know where where what direction are we going what zoning laws and what areas should be set up which way so really got into the nuts and bolts of things and I worked a lot with the city council on that so I really got to know those people very well um, and then when I termed out of the economic development commission you had uh, two terms uh, three years each you can only do and so they moved on to the Planning Commission, which is even more involved. And the Planning Commission does more of um, what we call um, PUDs, which are um, planned unit developments coming in. So you make sure that what's coming in is going to be best for that area. <clears throat> does it meet the zoning requirements, things of that nature, or um, CUPs, which are conditional use permits. Some zoning areas have certain have certain 
eligibility that businesses come in and, and be in, but they'd have to go through a, a variance process or they have to be um, allowed under these conditions to be able to do those businesses in that area. And it's all just set up so that sections of the city are, are best functioning in those. I mean, you don't want um, large trucks going through your neighborhood. So you got to zone those large trucks and those companies to another area of the city rather than where the residents are, those types of things. Um, and then uh, variances and other types of things. And that really, really got um, got a lot of knowledge on how city council works and how what are the issues the cities are facing. Uh, Burnsville faces a lot of big issues in terms of our, you know, we're um, the host site of the uh, Twin Cities, one of the host sites for for garbage, um, for landfill basically usage, or um, some of the issues regarding our water um, and internet connections, things like that. And it really, it really is um, pretty much the minor leagues when it comes to getting into city council. You get the knowledge of what the city is going through, um, what things can be done, what things can't be done, in, in, in learning those things and um, working, working with the group of people. And so I think that has been a major help in getting ready for running for city council, which I figured, you know, once I get done with planning commission, I've taken a spot up in these commissions for a very long time. Um, time to step it up and go to the next level if I'm going to do it. Let's see what the city thinks. Do they want me on there or not? So For sure. That's why I ran. Um, so in 2002, you ran for city council in Burnsville. Your slogan was Chris John, believe in a better Burnsville. I still think Chris John, why not? was a missed opportunity. I love that <laughs> slogan, but I can understand why it wasn't. Um, I'm going to be saying this uh, on my website as well. Uh, but right now, if you're listening, Chris John for number four, Burnsville.com is his campaign website. Um, how was your experience campaigning in 2022? And was it what you expected it to be for better or for worse? It was different than I expected it. It's, it. So the funny thing is, is you actually put yourself out there to run for a sit office of any kind. You have to um, go and register with the city clerk and, you know, um, actually declare that you're running. And it is a difficult decision to make because you're really putting yourself out there right away. You know, all of a sudden your face is going to be out there. You know, you're going to be in the newspapers. <clears throat> People are going to know who you are. So you have to really control what you do out in the public. You can't be goofy. You can't, you can't overstep a line because it becomes a public manner all of a sudden. So I went in registered. I went home. Woke up the next morning and I said, oh my God, what did I just do? <laughs> that was literally my first reaction. And you, you get the nerves and you start thinking, why did I put myself out there so so broadly to be put down or, you know, pushed or punched or, you know, made fun of or have the fight? But I was surprised that the reaction was always positive. People were pretty happy to see that, you know, somebody's running, somebody... You, know, you do care about the city and it, it was it was a good it was a good feeling and I'm, I'm glad I did it I really enjoyed getting out there knocking on doors is it can be a lot of fun and talking to people and finding out how you can help them it it, it really makes your day it, it's one of those things it's, it's it's heartwarming to be able to make that connection and be able to be a, a bridge for them you know to help you know, make the community a better place and as they see it. So that I really enjoyed doing. And I, you know, I always thought that the whole public policy thing or being in the government would always be what I would enjoy doing. I really enjoyed campaigning. I really did. Didn't think I would. I really enjoyed it. Now, was that something that, I mean, obviously, you had to get a lot of input from your family on it. Uh, how were they when it's like, okay, now do we have to be in our best behavior too? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, they never really asked that. Uh, Nicole's always said, I knew when I first met you, I knew at some point 
we're gonna do this. So <laughs> she was all in. Uh, the boys, they were they were they were very much a, a for it. Um, obviously, we had to go through some uh, prepping on what pictures would show up on, on everybody's doorstep, basically, you know, with our flyers and whatnot. But um, beyond that, they really were in. You know, they helped me. Nate and his girlfriend went out door knocking with me. Um, uh, Nicole was obviously a great help on every. She did so much behind the scenes; it's not even funny. And you know, and Devin helped out too. I mean, he was he, <laughs> he was the guy that cut the or was um, handing out the ices in the parade, and <laughs> it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a team effort, and you know that's the way our family's always been. We're 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 a team, right? And if somebody wants to do something, we're gonna get behind it and help them out. So this was no different in those, those regards. Nicole John also designed the podcast logo for this podcast. So if you hate it, well, that sucks. I like it, so I'm using it. So <laughs> um, I don't think it's a secret uh, that you're planning on running for city council in 2024. Yep. Your experience in 2022 um, was obviously you weren't able, uh, you weren't elected in that season. Um, would you say that your particular campaign, would you say that your message is still good? Would you say that your, that parts of your campaign might be different this next time around? Or do you think that it's, hey, sometimes you don't win a particular day, but you think your message is still one that would resonate? I think my message resonates. Um, one of the, one of my, uh, best campaigners out there said, he pointed out to me, he said, I, you know, I said, gosh, I, I don't know if this is going to work or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to go talk to these people because I feel like, you know, I'm going to get backlash or whatever. And he looked at me and he said, Chris, every time you talk to somebody, they tell you they're going to vote for you. They, you, you have something, you're able to um, give them comfort, if you will. And, uh, I guess I didn't realize it, but he's he's right. I I never had somebody say, you know, I'm not going to vote for you because of your message. Nobody said that. Nobody ever um, got into a argument with me. Most of the time, it was like, oh wow, yeah, you're right. Sort of sort of conversation, and most of the time, I said, yeah, yeah, I'll vote for you. I just think it it name recognition more than anything, and like you said, not many people know who their city councils are mm -hmm. or what kind of job they're doing. I mean. I would go to a door and I'd say, well, what, what do you think of Burnsville? Oh, I think it's great. You know, it, well, that's good. It is great. But then, I, you know, what do you think about the mall? And they would go, well, you know, <laughs> what are we, we going to do about that? And I said, well, we, we have some plans, but, you know, I think we need to get a little bit more into it. Yeah. Or what about, you know, how do you, how's your water? And I said, oh, my gosh, it's awful. We can't drink it. Right. It's like... These are the things that we need to talk about and, and do something about. What are the crime levels like? You know, is, people worry about that. Well, the police force has to increase with the increase in size of the population. It really didn't do that. They have stayed steady since uh, for the last 10, 20 years. I'm trying to think, what's the population of Burnsville these days? We're at 60, well, it was 64,317, I think, is that... Uh, at the census, but it's it's going to be close to sixty five thousand by 2024. and it's one of the larger cities in the state, and it's it's grown, uh, it's pretty much full. I mean, <laughs> there isn't much space for more buildings. There's definitely not going to be a housing complex coming anytime soon, but at the same time, it, you know, we need to get staffing levels up to the where they need to be, and we had a study back in twenty. I think it was 2022, um, where they said we need 59 more people just to be efficient, just to be back to par. And most of that is in the police force and fire, fire, fire force. And we don't have enough people to cover all the shifts that need to be done, basically. And that means people have to double up on their duties. It means people working harder hours. And again, it goes back to, well, have we been you know, increasing taxes when we need to. Have we been doing those things that we don't lose people? Um, burnout. <laughs> burn, exactly, burnout. And unfortunately, right now, uh, there's been three or four people that have left the city, um, I think are 
are huge, huge losses to our city. And we'll have to replace them, obviously, but uh, we need to do more. We need to be able to get this back functioning right again. Otherwise, we're going to fall into the, you know, the bad suburb. We're going to fall into disarray. I don't want that. Um, not disarray, like, you know, doomsday, but it, it's going to start, we're going to start noticing differences, you know, between what tier of a city Burnsville is compared to other suburbs. And I don't want that to happen. I don't want to be on the, the bottom end of the conversation. When you think of suburbs where, where Burnsville sits, I'm, I'm hoping you think it's it's a pretty good place and somewhere you're proud to live live at. That's what I mean, believe, believe in a better Burnsville was, was a thought that I believe that Burnsville could be the best city. Here's what I think we can do. You can always be better. Now, and this is something that probably might be putting on a little too much because I've been very hesitant to, you know, blame one particular politician or give credit to a particular politician. I think it's one of those things where it's like you get too much credit if things go right, maybe too much of the blame if things go wrong. But in terms of what do you think in particular for you that you'd be able to offer the residents of Burnsville? And I'm going to say offer in like the most generic type of term, but like, what do you think in terms of city council that for you, it isn't just, hey, I'm going to show up and do a good job generic. Like, are there particular things that you're like, here's something that I see that I want to improve or here are things that we're doing really good, but we can do better. And then I'm sure there are things where you mentioned the water, you mentioned uh, the landfill that it's like, here are things that aren't great. Let's bring them up to where they should be. As city councilman, if you're elected, what are the things that you have in mind that would be, yes, I want to make these things a priority? One of the biggest things that we have is um, fiber optic um, internet connections. The city has fiber optic throughout the city for our own private uh, city uses, basically public uses. Um, we have... Uh, lights and cameras at different parks um to the, the uh, call them warming houses but the the buildings and the you know the, so we have that connection our water towers are all connected to um the city wa water treatment center all these um so we're using the fiber optic internet throughout the city we put internet um, cable out there we laid a lot of cable we just have what's called the last mile, you know, the, you know, from from the main source to each of the houses. Um, one of the ideas out there is to lease out the unused fiber to for private use. Um, people have the city uses maybe two or three of the fibers. Um, there's a good amount of fibers in a bundle, and it's what's called dark dark um dark cable because it's not being used and we could use it uh we could lease it out to internet providers to sell to the residents in order to have high-speed internet connections you think about today where we have you know people using you know doing zoom from home working from home schooling from home and all those things in the in the draw on our um, entire network is so great it slows down everybody else's speeds um, fiber optic internet connections is the top tier of internet connections that's where it goes to speed of light it it is the best out there and you wouldn't have those fluctuations those are things we can do we had a county-wide uh, project to try to get that happening on the Dakota County level well there were a few people on our city council that didn't like that idea. They felt like that was interference of the public sector interfering in the private sector network. I don't know. I, you know, we, we have streets too. Is that the public interfering in the private network? I mean, these are these are things that um, are debatable, but I don't think that we should just shut them down. And that's exactly what happened. The county project got X'd because they decided that they didn't feel like it fit their government policy and policy on what government should be. 
and again, it gets back to the restrictions. I mean, so everybody in the city of Burnsville doesn't get that because, you know, even though, you know, the city, the people that live in the city are the ones that paid for the lines to be put in in the first place. It is our city. It is our tax dollars, right? So I, I don't like that. And that's one thing I would definitely fight for. Um, landfills. Uh, we have three landfills in Burnsville. One's the active landfill, and that's the one behind Bernard's. It's called a, a sanitary landfill. It's ran by waste management, and that's the active one that's actually building up right next to the river there, behind, you know, as I mentioned, behind the Bernard's there. Uh, there are two others, and uh, one is to the east of the, the landfill. It, it's close to the river again. It is... Uh, open land is just north of the quarry um, it, you wouldn't know it as a landfill it's it's pretty flat that is what's called an unsanitary unlined landfill and the other one is the driving range that everybody knows about off of 35w it's on the east side of 35w it's got the big mounds that you see political signs up uh, every every year um, that also is actually underneath the driving range is the landfill um, again unlined now, the problem with it being online, meaning that anything that's in that landfill can leach into the water source. And the fact that the quarry is digging and they're pumping water out of that area is the only thing keeping that from contaminating our water. We need to get that dug up and moved out. And we've been having issues with the property owner and getting them to move it. Actually, the state has stepped in and, and is trying to work on that. That is something... I definitely want to have happen. I'm not going to say that I'm going to come in and be able to change anything because it's not like there's everybody else is against that. Everybody is for this. We need to do it. We need to come up with a plan for it. But it's it's something that I would move towards definitely. Um, that is a big thing. And finally, of course, is the mall revitalization. The mall is always going to be a big thing for me. Um, I think it's a big thing for everybody. It was at one time the biggest economic um, driver in the city of Burnsville. Uh, things are changing a little bit, but it doesn't mean that mall is, is for waste. There are things happening at the mall that's that's starting starting to build it back up again. Hopefully we get to a place where, where it's good again. It's just not there yet. So someone like me, if you were to boil down to essentially a sentence in terms of ideology, I want the government and politicians to leave me alone. Like, Leave me alone. Oh, here's this thing. Leave me alone. Well, what about the leave me alone? That's <laughs> that's someone like me is that if you leave me alone, I'm usually okay. What would you say to someone like me? I'm not a Burnsville resident, but if I were, what would you say to appeal to someone like me that it's like, I'm not saying you're a bad guy. I'm not saying I don't like you. I'm not saying that there isn't a role for government, but I want to be left alone. What would you say to someone like me that uh, that would appeal to me? Well, when when you say you want to be left alone, that means you don't want the security of the police department making sure that you're safe. Does that mean you don't want the fire department coming in and putting out the fire that's in your yard? I mean... Those are, you know, people want to be left alone, but at the same time, they kind of don't want to be left alone. They, they, they need, they need some of these things. When the, when the snow falls, you're going to need the streets cleared, right? Those are the things that we do on the city level. It's not, it's not deciding, you know, whether Roe versus Wade should be, you know, constitutionally um, put in the constitution, or whether or not you can. Um, I don't know. Own an AR-15. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are the, aren't the things that the cities decide. And the city's deciding very basic things for you. Um, is, and I'd argue the school board as well. They're just making sure the kids get educated. So that would be would be my argument that whether you want to, it, it is kind of your responsibility as an American citizen to pay taxes and to vote. Um, not everybody gets that opportunity, right? And I mean, you don't have to, obviously that, but you really can't complain if you don't. 
you can, but <laughs> let it fall on deaf ears, right? Yeah. Well, there's a there's an argument. Uh, I think it was a, jar, a George Carlin routine that uh, we could probably go get into if it was history over drinks after dark. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, one thing that I you brought up earlier in terms of like kind of the you know that uh, it's not such a fine line between like city and county and in terms of like responsibility when you're going into looking at a particular policy and i'm i'm guessing it probably is issue specific but if it's something where you know okay it's a county road okay is this completely the purview of the county authorities or because well this county road is going through this city is this now a city problem have you noticed like especially in uh talking about like um assuming like with planning commissions and some of these where it's like is there a kind of a jurisdiction kind of battle in some of this or is it in the Minnesota statute somewhere where it's like, Oh, it actually does in between the lines of all the legalese. Does it actually say, Oh, this is the purview of the city or this is the purview of the County. Have you had experiences in that in your, in your experience to <laughs> be redundant? Cause that's how I'm going to ask questions now. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, when we, uh, we have a project going on over at, Cub Foods off of 42 and Con Road 5. And the the project is to, um, the Cub Foods there, it's a really old building. It's um, it's not designed as, as well as it could be. Um, and it used to be like a little bit of a shopping mall sort of a thing. Now it's basically just Cub Foods. And I think there's a liquor store in there and a huge parking lot. And uh, one of the developers is coming in. They're going to... Um, Cub Foods, through Cub Foods, is they're going to replace that building. They're going to um, put in four or five other businesses in that whole little section where that one building currently exists. And there's going to be, you know, some roadway there. And great project, absolutely improving the city, um, improving revenue for the city, improving life for the residents. Everything is great, but then there, there became an issue that one of the right-of-ways into the parking lot is coming off of a county road. And so the county has to prove that right-of-way. And it got grandfathered in from a previous, um, probably a PUD way back when. The distance from County Road 5 to that right-of-way isn't exactly the right amount. It's I think it's a few feet off some of those lines. And so it became a little bit of a battle <laughs> there. Um, and I think the, I think one of the questions asked, well, how is this going to improve the county? And the obvious answer is, well, this is revenue for the county as well with the property taxes and everything. And it, it, it's just funny that sometimes where, where those, those lines do tangle, um, county roads, you know, you have city roads and you have even federal roads where you talk about the freeways or the U.S. highway systems. I don't think we have any U.S. highways in Burnsville, but yeah, it, it does become a jurisdictional thing. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if we've discussed this off air or not, but when you initially, when I heard you were initially running in 2022, yeah. um, I didn't know how to react. And it was one of those where it's, it's because, well, I'll put it this way. I'm usually not a fan of politicians. I could probably count on one hand, and I'm not sure how many of them, if I were to think about it really hard, if any of the politicians I really like are still alive. The founding fathers, like you take someone like Jefferson or you take somebody like Washington, though I don't agree with necessarily everything Washington did, these were really, really impressive people. And maybe it's an age that we live in when it comes to media, but... There are certain people in government, and unfortunately, they probably get their more than their fair share of airtime, where it almost seems like we're approaching a, in certain areas, a cacistocracy or a government run by the least competent people. What I, <laughs> what I was initially leery of is that I actually do think that you're an honorable, likable, incredibly competent, competent. An overall really good guy. Why would you want to run for political office and open yourself up to attacks from ignorant people like me? <laughs> <laughs> Which goes back to when I first ran. What did I just do? <laughs> uh, 
luckily I haven't ran into a lot of people that that feel that same way but at the same time there's there, obviously you have I mean your government whether what level it is we're talking hundreds of people and there's always going to be those crazy people out there I'm we could start naming a few of them if you wanted. And <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you could spend all night. I mean, we have different people we'd like to name, but we probably uh, have more overlapping than, uh... <laughs> yeah, than not, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, it is. It's hard because when you look at on the federal level, you have absolutely no control over who's the senator of Wisconsin is or who's the governor of Massachusetts or you know anything in those lines. You, you only control certain parts of your area even if they have kind of some kind of authority over you know your area on a higher level if you will um but you know it's worked really well for the last 200 years whether it's incompetency you know matched with competency and how that meshes together somehow and not everybody's incompetent they just come across incompetent sometimes or you know, there, there are people that are, are we don't give enough credit for or, you know, they, they get the short end of the stick when it comes to the media coverage. And so it, it, it sounds worse than what it really is. And so, you know, we, we get that mindset that, oh, they have no idea what they're talking about. And, you know, there might be some things that they are very good at and they do help. And, and somehow it all balances together. You, you like to hope that that's the way it is. I, I just hope that um, people understand that it is a really difficult job to do, and there's a lot of people doing it. Um, no matter what you think of how much taxes go out there or what have you, they really are, most people are underpaid in what they do. Uh, city council gets paid $1,000 a month, and it's it's almost a full-time job. I mean, there's a lot of work that gets involved in it, a lot of time being done. And so it, it is, you have to be a little bit on the edge of, on the uh psychological crazy edge, if you will, <laughs> to actually want to do something like that. Um, it, it, but, you know, I think people have reasons for doing, always have a reason for why they want to do what they want to do. And I think there, there are people out there that really mean well, even if they come across as crazy. I do think that uh, one of the things that in in my current role, I tend to publicly speak in uh, official capacities. And one of the things I've noticed, especially in congressional hearings that are broadcast, that people tend to pick apart particular verbiage, particular phrases. And even if I don't like the people, and frankly, there are quite a few people who I literally do not like at all, but I feel like they do get the short end of the stick for not having a particular answer at a particular time mm -hmm. or not being able to articulate it as well because while my experience is different than them, I've been in the hot seat and it's not as easy, especially in front of a big deal inquiry. Um, you alluded to it earlier with, uh, with uh, city council meetings being broadcast. Mm -hmm. It is very different when the red light is on versus when it's not. And I think that is something that if we're going to hammer on things that are negative, okay, but we also need to realize that there needs to be a little bit of grace extended for situations that are fairly stressful, are fairly, you know, prone to, well, prone to a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking. And mm -hmm. it's something that, to me, especially, I think, I think sunlight is the best disinfectant. And I think part of what you know, it's one of my failings, but I also think it's something that, you know, whether it's education or whether it's, you know, a culture shift that the importance of the local level in government, I think, needs to be emphasized a heck of a lot more than it's always been, because it's very easy to take a look at something like a nationwide red flag law or, um, you know, a federal income tax increase or something like that, where, yes, it does affect more people but you might not have a ton of control over those issues where if you're not wanting a particular route, uh, route to go through your whole neighborhood that involves semis or you know other right. larger vehicles, it probably would be a good idea to go to your city council and say, hey, I don't want this. Uh, you guys need to know that I don't want this. 
Um, <laughs> and that's something that even someone like me who thinks civic participation is a good thing, I haven't gotten to any city council meetings. I haven't, especially even knowing who some of the people are, like I said earlier, I don't think I could pick them up, pick them out in a lineup. Right. There is something to be said for that. And especially because we all have our own biases. We all have our own opinions as to what the role of government might be. But especially when I saw that you were running, it was one of those things I kind of had to confront my own bias a little bit because I like this guy. But I literally had in my head, okay, am I going to think more of politicians because he is one or am I going to think less of him because he's a politician? And that's something where I think it's a good idea to confront your own biases sometimes where <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I like this guy and he's not paying me to endorse him because if I didn't think he was worth anything, I would say so. But if I were a Burnsville resident, I would definitely, definitely go to a Chris John event, go to a fundraiser, go to this, talk to him, ask questions, because I think you'll think a lot better of him than you would think of as a particular politician. And if you have any uh, particular parting words, I think this is probably where about we're going to finish up. What do you, what would you have planned for Burnsville in 2024? <laughs> well, first I appreciate all the compliments. I, I really do appreciate that. And I think um, it, it goes without saying that, you know, just because you're a politician or uh, that word becomes a negative stereotype, it, it, doesn't necessarily have to be because a lot of people do it for the right reasons. We all want to we want to improve um, something or another. There's something that sticks out that um, that we say, you know what, I can do it. I can help make a difference. And you do you you put yourself out there when you do something like that. So it is important to remember that. And it you know when the red light is on, um, and like the planning commission meetings or the economic development commissions, which are also televised, it, it, it's, it's nerve-wracking. You're going to ask a question that could come up later in the newspaper, and you know, and that's fine. It, it's fair, but at the same time, you, you try to speak a little bit more, uh, try to watch what you say. Um, but Burnsville in 2024, I'm hoping to get to as many houses as possible, talk to the residents, ask questions, what they think about the city, what we can do better. Um, what, thing, what issues come to mind? Um, what improvements can we make? And how do we get there? And I, I don't want to be somebody that tells you what needs to be done. I want to find out what you think needs to be done. And I, you know, I can help guide you with my knowledge. And I don't want to be, um, don't feel like I want to be king of Burnsville. That is <laughs> not, not at all what I want to do. I want to help. I want to make Burnsville a great place. I love the city. I've always enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was a draw for me and Nicole when we came down to the Southern Metro. I um, fell in love with the, the sense of community I got there. And uh, I still see that today. And I, I think it, it's, it's an interesting city that it's, it's a suburb, but yet it's, all, it's a suburb that feels like its own city at the same time. And that was one thing that just, uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else down here. Burnsville was the place. And I'm glad I, I'm a part of it. If you were to give advice to someone, might be me, might be any of the <laughs> listeners, uh, in terms of getting involved in local government, or at the very least, making putting forth some of the effort that if you have issues or if you have even just questions, especially for someone who's kind of been on the inside, where would you point us to, oh, here's how you figure out who your representative is? Is it something like just visiting City Hall? Is it something where, hey, everything's online now? Uh, I can direct you to a website. For someone who's wanting to get more involved on the local level, what would be a good place to start? Well, absolutely. Online, obviously, is going to give you some of those names and places and people. Um, going to a city council meeting is always good. I remember I went to my first city council meeting. I was one of the only people there uh, and I mean they're all online you can watch them you know from home if you want to I'm surprised by how many people do watch them um, I think that's great I had um, one person came up to me and said I love watching you on the planning commission it's like oh you watch those meetings <laughs> but I mean that really made I, that made my year actually that was it was really um, 
it was probably the biggest compliment I ever got that somebody likes seeing what I do on the planning commission in, in what I'm trying to do and what my mindset is. Uh, and it was just a matter of going to a, a kind of getting off track here, but it's just a matter of going to a council meeting. It's just a matter of maybe starting to volunteer or, you know, apply to be on a commission. It doesn't take a whole lot to um, apply. You go through an interview process, maybe, but maybe that's not for you either. Um, but learning learning what, what they're up to, reading the newspaper, staying, staying involved, because local, local politics, local government really does affect your everyday life uh, more than what CNN or MSNBC or Fox News is going to tell you about. Those are all national levels. And yes, they're, they're important. I wouldn't say they're not. It's just, it's not as important as what happened in your city every day. And, you know, in finding out like who works for the city. There are a lot of great people that work for the city that do um, those daily tasks that you don't think about every day that improve your lives or very much um, a part of your lives and um, having conversations with them. I don't know of anybody on city council or anything that wouldn't be that isn't approachable at all that you couldn't talk to and have a good conversation with they they want to be involved in public service so they're very public and or, uh, open to conversation well chris john believe in a better burnsville if you're elected i believe it too thanks for coming on thank you i appreciate it hi everyone Thank you for listening to Historical Diversions. If you enjoyed this episode, your feedback would be greatly appreciated. Five-star reviews, positive comments, and even just telling your friends about us helps. We're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, etc. But the mothership is historicaldiversions.com. You can find show notes, ways to support, and other fun info on there. Thanks again for listening. This podcast was written and produced by your host through Historical Diversions, LLC. Any other rights belong to their respective owners.